Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Uh, would you stand for the reading of God's word? Sorry, I just told you to sit. <laughs> Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let's pray. Jesus, again, we just pray that you would be here. You would guide our words, our actions, our motives. Thank you, God, for the gift of prayer. And uh, when we're just at our wits' end and broken, that you're enough. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Again, weird Sunday. I know. Thanks. Thanks for bearing with us here. I almost wore my not-perfect t-shirt today. I should have done that. Um, we're in this series called The Upside-Down Kingdom. We're moving backwards through the story of the Gospels. As followers of Jesus, we're invited by Jesus to participate in that, to help build his kingdom on heaven as it is, on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, we started by looking at Acts 4 and how the early church living, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke the word of God with boldness. They had a unity of heart and soul, great power and great grace, and they were exceedingly generous. How did they get there? How did they become the kind of community that was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness? How did they become the kind of community that was unified in heart and soul and operating with great power and great grace? How did they show such outrageous generosity that made people sit up and take notice? Well, last week we talked about the power of partnership. To be that kind of church and to be the followers of Jesus that he wants us to be, we can't do it alone. We have to partner with others, with other people and with the Holy Spirit. We can't do it alone. But how do we partner with the Holy Spirit? How do we partner with the Holy Spirit? Uh, we partner with people that are different than us. We partner with the Holy Spirit. Well, last week we talked about Peter. Peter and John, how they reached down and brought that man to a place of healing. That Peter had boldness, but John had this quiet strength. We need each other. So let's look at the backstory of Peter a little bit. Before meeting Jesus, Peter and his little brother Andrew had this fishing business with a couple of their close friends, James and John. Fishermen, they were gruff, they were smelly, uh, they might have a little curse words. And uh, Peter and his brother Andrew and their good buddies, James and John, one day they're fishing and they see this young rabbi walking by. And this rabbi says, hey guys, come follow me. And here's a truth for you that I've learned is that purpose doesn't park. Your passes by you and invites you to follow. Oftentimes we are in a place and we see something and it's inviting us to follow, but we have that choice to go with that thing or to stay where we are. Jesus won't just sit, say, sit there waiting for you. Hey, whenever you're ready, I'm here. Jesus is passing by and says, hey, if you're in, come follow me. We see over and over again, that's how God works. We need to chase after our purposes. You want a better job? It's not going to park in front of you. If you want a better life? It's not just going to sit there. 
We have to chase after our purpose. And so this young rabbi invites these four fishermen to follow him. And what's their response? Matthew 4, 22, immediately left the boat and their father and followed him. They left their business. They left their assets. They left everything to follow Jesus. Whenever your purpose comes calling, it's going to cost you something. There is no calling without a cost. There's no cause without a cost. You want to start a business? You're, you're gonna, it's going to cost money and certainty. If you want a new dating relationship, it's gonna, there's going to be a cost. If you want to lose weight and get healthy, there's going to be a cost. If you want to prioritize your family over your business, there's going to be a cost. There's going to be lost business opportunities. You might not make as much money. You're going to prioritize family time, church time, having a Sabbath. If you want strong, biblical community, it's going to cost you something. Your calendar won't be as free. You're going to get back from your vacation early to get to church on time. You're going to make sure you schedule your vacations around your community group. It's going to cost you something to have that kind of biblical friendship and community. There is no calling without a cost. There is no cause without a cost. Starting this church meant paying a cost. We left friends and family in Wisconsin. There's no certainty. There was no full-time salary, no benefits, no health insurance. (laughs) And as we said, six years later, there's no certainty still. But when you do discover your purpose, you're willing to pay that cost. Because there's no calling without a cost. There's no cause without a cost. Well, here's where we find ourselves in that story. Jesus of Nazareth, the Jewish rabbi who invites Peter and his friends, is the God of Israel come clothed in flesh. He lived without sin. He preached and demonstrated the gospel. He went to the cross. He died in our place for our sins as a substitute, was buried, and three days later he rose again, conquering Satan's sin and death. One of our core beliefs, one of my core beliefs, is that Jesus does change everything. And meeting Jesus changed Peter's life. After Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he told his followers, hey, but don't go out and start your ministry yet. You need to wait We've talked about this, that time waiting isn't time wasted. It's time invested. Even when you think the end of a chapter is near, you don't rush out to the next thing. Because time waiting is time invested. And there's always a time of waiting between receiving your calling and fulfilling your calling. Moses, the prince of Egypt, called to save his people from slavery and bondage, had to wait 40 years before living out his purpose. David, the giant slayer, anointed to be king, but had to wait two decades before he was finally king. Peter, called by Jesus to be one of the first pastors and church planners and leaders of Jesus' church, but he has to wait. We see in Luke's gospel that Jesus slowly revealed his calling to Peter, that he's going to be the one to lead this new church. And there's this great story where Jesus is on a field trip to Caesarea Philippi, and he's saying, hey, who do people say that I am? And they give all kinds of answers. But Jesus, Peter says, but you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, yes, you are right, Peter. And on you and on that confession of faith, I'm going to build my church. It's a great moment. And how amazing Peter must have felt in that moment of, I'm going to be the one that Jesus is going to build his church on. But he's got to wait. And then Jesus starts talking about he's going to have to go die. And Peter's like, no, 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 you can't die. But even if everyone else abandons you, I will not abandon you. And Jesus says, yes, you will. And in the darkest night of Peter's life, when one of their friends, Judas, betrays Jesus, Peter that night denies that he even knows Jesus. Sitting at a campfire three times, he says, I don't even know the man. 
And then the impossible happened after the darkest night of Peter's life. Jesus rises from the grave. But how will Jesus respond to Peter? Peter denying. Peter running away. What does Jesus do? He makes his good friend Peter breakfast. As they sit around a campfire, much like that same campfire that Peter denied Jesus, Jesus reaffirms his calling and says, hey, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. And then Jesus sends into heaven. And Peter has his calling to lead the early church, to be one of the founding pastors, to pastor and feed the sheep and train leaders and and write some of the New Testament. But how is that going to work? Sure, Jesus forgave Peter, but I'm sure the new church is thinking, this coward is going to lead the church. How is that going to happen? And I imagine Peter sitting in the upper room with 120 of them. And he's sitting there and he's praying. He's thinking, I cannot do this. All aware of his own failings and his inadequacies. And he's like, I am not the leader for this. That's exactly where God wants us. I can't do this. Back in August, Chris and I said, we can't do this. We cannot manufacture a healthy, growing church on our own strength or charisma or creativity. It has to be the Spirit of God. And that's where Peter's at. He's aware of his calling, but knowing he can't do it in his own strength. And so what happens, Acts 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's the dawn of the day of Pentecost, and Peter and his followers are gathered to wait and pray And the new day begins with an eruption of sounds from heaven and wind. Things are coming loose, breaking open. This takes place on the Jewish holiday of Pentecost. We've talked about this, that the defining moment of the Old Testament is God leading his people of Exodus out of slavery and bondage from Egypt. And they celebrated that, beginning of that, on Passover. Then 50 days later, after that first Passover, God met with Moses on Mount Sinai and gave him the book of the law and said, I'm going to lead you as a pillar of fire. So 50 days later, The Jewish people continue to celebrate that on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was the holiday before um, the Holy Spirit descended. And so on that morning, when they're remembering that God said he would lead them as a pillar of fire, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit descends on them all. I think, Bible doesn't tell us, I think the Holy Spirit descended like a pillar of fire and then broke up into tongues of fire in each and every person's head to say, no longer am I going to just speak and lead through one person. But now everyone is going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is the idea in the Reformation says the priesthood of all believers. You all are priests just like me. We can meet with God. We don't have to rely on one person to go between us. We are all called and empowered by the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that lives each inside of every one of us. And the Holy Spirit is like fire. It brings warmth and life and heat. And fire is appreciated when it's dark and cold and the days are getting shorter. And that's like the Holy Spirit. He comes. He warms us like a fire. He sets us ablaze for the truth of God. He illuminates the world in which we live. And so we have to 
have a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. We have to realize the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not fire. He's not like a dove. Uh, He's not a dove. He's like a dove. All these metaphors we have, wind, fire, dove, they're just trying to explain the person of the Holy Spirit. God is three in one, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And so we need to say, hey, do I have a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit? Number two, we need to have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I think primarily we open ourselves to the presence of the Holy Spirit through Scripture. By every day opening up and saying, Holy Spirit, lead me, shepherd me through the Holy Spirit, through your Scripture, through the church, by gathering together, by singing, by sharing our brokenness, and then through using our spiritual gifts. When, when we show, use the gifts of hospitality and generosity and evangelism and, and prophecy and tongues, that is how we experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then we need to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples to wait, they would receive power. Acts 1, verse 4 through 5. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, wait, and then you will receive power. See, Jesus doesn't want us just to admire his life, which is good, but he wants us to experience his life through the person, the presence, and the power of the third person, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 2, while they are waiting to experience the power, the presence, and the person of the Holy Spirit, they gather, they pray, and the Holy Spirit fills Peter and the other followers of Jesus, and Peter is radically transformed from cowardly to courageous, and he preaches a message to that same crowd who just 50 days earlier had cried, crucify me to Jesus. Peter gets up in front of those same people, at risk of being crucified himself, and he preaches and says, hey, you killed God's only son, but you can repent. And 3,000 people turned, and they repent, and they said, yes, you are right, we are guilty, and we need to follow Jesus. And the only way Peter is able to do that is because he met the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit. He experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. And the same thing with you and I. If at the end of the series, all we have is more knowledge, then I've failed. But we need to grow in our experience of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We need to walk in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Jesus' mission requires that you and I be filled with the Holy Spirit. We can't be who Jesus made us to be, and we can't do what Jesus calls us to do unless we are filled with the power, the presence, and the person of the Holy Spirit. Let's say you're a new follower of Jesus and you want to figure out what your spiritual gifts are and to serve Jesus. You're asking the Holy Spirit to come fill you and show you what your ministry is. If you're married, you're asking the Holy Spirit to fill you so you can learn to be a loving and faithful spouse. Maybe you're pregnant or you hope to adopt or have foster kids. You're asking the Holy Spirit to fill you with love and lead your children to the glory of God. May we be a community of followers of Jesus who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and are continually filled by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. But how do we do that? Well, Jesus told them in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olive, 
which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Jesus said, wait, and then you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. So number one, they gathered. It is important to gather together. This matters. This matters. They gathered in the upper room. And Luke mentions there were women among them, which would have been countercultural. Men and women did not gather together to wait on the Holy Spirit and to pray. That did not happen. The Bible is the first book in the history of the world that was written that empowers women. So whatever your, bio, your, your university professor told you about the Bible being misogynistic or patriarchal, it is the first document in the history of the world that gives equal value to women as well as men. This is groundbreaking. Amen. And some Christians, they want to deny this, and we tell them to just shut up. Oh my gosh, I'm so tired. People saying women can't do stuff. What in the world? I'm sorry. No, they were all together. This was radical. This is a group that broke barriers. That's the kind of group we want to be, amen? Number two, they prayed. I want to see you to see that praying precedes doing. Now, I'm a doer, but Jesus is teaching us that prayer precedes doing. And what tends to happen is there are people who like to pray, people who like to do. Some of us, we like to do, and then we make a mistake, and then we ask Jesus to fix it, right? Then there's some of you who like to just pray and not do anything, and you're like, Jesus is going to do it all. You might need to do something, okay? Just saying it. Come at 7.30, help set up. Come at 9.30, pray. Do something. Prayer precedes doing. But we need both. We need to pray, we need to do. We need to pray, we need to do. We need to pray, we need to do. But nothing of spiritual significance happens without prayer. And they spent 10 days in this upper room. 10 days waiting, gathering, praying, before finally they receive the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I think we tell the story, it's like Jesus ascends into heaven, he flies up, he says, wait, they go to Jerusalem, they go to the upper room, and bam, the Holy Spirit falls. Could we last if we said, hey, we're going to sit in this room until the Holy Spirit falls? And our stomachs are grumbling at 1 o'clock on Sunday, and it's 7 p.m. on Sunday night, and then 9 a.m. at Monday, and it's Wednesday, and then Thursday, and then next Sunday is still here, and we're still waiting for the Holy Spirit. And finally, 10 days later, we're gathered, we're waiting, then the Holy Spirit falls. That's what they did. We're such, we live in such an instantaneous society, we want it to happen now. But they, they waited, they prayed, and the result was they were unified. Gathering plus praying equals unifying. That's why it's so important for us to gather and pray. That's why we circle up at 9.30 a.m. That's why I've been begging you for years, come at 9.30, please pray with us. This is important. This matters. That's why we spend, every time our staff gathers, we spend time praying for you all. On Monday night when our governing team meets, we're going to pray Again, early on in the church, I had elders ask me, why do we even need to spend time praying? This is the work we're doing. Prayer matters. We gather, we pray, and then we're unified. How do we partner with each other and with the presence of the Holy Spirit? We gather, we pray, we're unified. That's how 
we are a church, we are followers of Jesus who are filled with the Holy Spirit, that we speak the word of God with boldness, that we have a unity of heart and soul, a great power and great grace, and we are exceedingly generous. That's how we become that vision of the church that we see, that is breaking barriers, that says, hey, you may not have it all together, that's okay. Single, married, divorced, second wife, third wife, it doesn't matter. Jesus welcomes all. Now there's truth. Sometimes I'll help people ask me, you know, does that mean we can believe whatever we want? No. But our job is to love. Our job is to welcome. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict. And God the Father is going to judge. But our job is to love. Our job is to teach people, hey, there's a better way to live. Jesus said, there's some ways that you can live, and this is going to help you flourish in life. And that life everlasting can start here and now, today. But you're going to have to follow my way. There's a rhythm to life. And and if you want to experience the fullness of life, you're going to walk in the way of Jesus. Like with my kids. I love them. I accept them no matter what they do. But I know they flourish better when they get to bed at a good time. Amen? They don't stay up super late. When they don't just eat carbs and sugar for breakfast. You know, there there are certain ways that their body is designed to function best. And so I'm trying to help them. And and we aren't perfect in this. In the same way of following Jesus, we've been designed a certain way. And if if we want to flourish, we have to live in that way of Jesus. And if we want to be filled with the Spirit, speak the word of God with boldness, be unified, have great power and great grace, and be exceedingly generous. We have to be first be filled with the Holy Spirit. I invite the band to come up here. We're going to sing that, one, that last song one more time. And I know, again, it's been a weird morning, and I'm sorry. Sometimes just things happen. Can I make it more weird? Yes, please. <laughs> Ryan's always good for making it more weird, so. Um, thank you. I'll make it weird. Uh, my name is Ryan. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, um, my wife Laura and I uh, started this journey with Eric and uh, team six years ago on the, the launch. And then uh, Amberly joined us three and a half years ago, right? Um, God's put some things on my heart the last couple of weeks. And uh, maybe it all won't come out super fluid, but I'm going to try. Uh, I've had an opportunity to share with Eric, too. Um, I'm a, a business owner that uh, has 75% of our business come through social media. And so I live on social media. Um, And the last two years running the business has been really hard on social media, but as a Christian, it's been even harder on social media because I've been frustrated. I've been frustrated with Christians as I see them fighting and being divided over politics, over health questions and challenges, and I, you know, I see this as an attack from an enemy who wants us to be divided. 
and I love this church, you know, but I haven't been perfect in this church either, right? Um, COVID's been tough for us. Things have been tough for us. We've made decisions that we felt were right for our health, um, and that's been a challenge. And, you know, it, it can be easy sometimes to say, well, you know, when things get back to normal, you know, then we can go back to how it was before. Um, and I just want to say this, this is what church is. This is what God intends for church, all right? Church is real people with real emotions and real failures and real problems, real challenges, real doubts and questions and, and not knowing what the right answer is politically sometimes and not knowing what the right answer is COVID-related sometimes. And, but that's what God's intention for his family, for his church body is. Churches all over the country are dealing with this. Uh, the division isn't unique to Osseo. It's not unique to Minnesota. Uh, there, there are other churches in this area that used to be 3,000 people and now are 1,000. It's not unique to small churches, right? This is a challenge that is being put in front of us as believers and as family that we have a choice of how we deal with it and respond to it. Um, I want to challenge you guys and challenge myself at the same time to consider that maybe this is what God has planned for you as church. Maybe there's a temptation and we've seen it and it's been a challenge with all of this division to say, I'm gonna to go to a church that where everyone believes exactly how I believe on this issue. Or I'm gonna to go to that church which everyone believes exactly what I believe on this issue. But that's, I don't believe that that's God's vision of church. God's vision of church is that we all as believers can stand together united in one thing, which is his love for us and for everyone else who hasn't made the choice to love him back. And so instead of thinking, you know, as we're trying to decide and as Eric and, and the leadership is trying to decide what the future of God's church is, ask God what church is. And instead of thinking, you know, you could be tempted to think, well, you know, maybe it's time with a church of this size that I go to a church that's bigger because my kids, need, you know, my kids need to be in this giant kids program. Maybe your kids need to learn how to serve the way God wants us to serve. Maybe that's the education that they need. Maybe we need to learn how to serve. You know, I still believe that Eric has stolen my illustration of battleship and cruise ship over, over the years. But the truth is, is borrowed. Okay, I willingly, I willingly <laughs> give, it, it, give it to Eric. 
Um, but, you know, instead of considering, instead of going home and considering, you know, do we need to look for a church that meets our needs differently? You know, where I can be, have this amazing performance and concert of a worship service, or I can feel warm and fuzzy uh, when I go home because that's what I need on a Sunday morning. Maybe, maybe we need to be challenged. So go home and say, what's God challenging me? What does God want to see from me, from me, more than for me? We know what he wants for us. He has blessings planned for us that are more abundant than we can even dream of, right? So let's embrace this heart of service. I wasn't here at 7.30. I wasn't here at 9.30. So this isn't coming from holiness, right? This is coming from, you know, just battling with this. For the last few weeks, you know, Eric's last couple messages have touched on me. And, you know, we've had these conversations a little bit. But it's been a battle for like two years, hasn't it? I mean, if we haven't been feeling challenged and stretched and, and, and at war for two years on what's going on here, then, you know, we've had our head in the sand. So that, that's what God put on my heart. Um, love it or hate it, I'm not perfect but I love you guys, I love this church, I love Eric and his family and the team that chooses to serve. Um, I'll be here at 7.30 next week. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.